When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Brings you Mackie and Judd. Now launching. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Rose kicks it out. Butler backs up. Knocks down the three. Oh, Jimmy Butler is a gamer. Well, say what you want about whatever he's gone through during the preseason, but he's coming to play. DeRozan for two. Spurs take the lead. 110-108. Just silky smooth there by DeMar DeRozan. The spirit was good, um, you know, and it's, it's tough to win on the road, and you got to bring, and we talked about it, you have to bring that toughness on the road with you. You, know, you have to get to loose balls. You know, the, you can make up for a lot with hustle, and so... Um, and we talked about that, you know, and, and I think we will as, as, as we go on here. But, you know, again, it's, it's a quick turnaround going home, you know, and we got to get ready for the next one. To be honest, I was surprised, you know, like from a conditioning standpoint. Uh, I thought he handled his minutes uh, great and uh, just wanted to make sure that, you know, he was getting a break. Manny Hill and Chip Scoggins, can I give you the state of how messed up this franchise is right now? Sure. Please do. All right. Here is the state of the Timberwolves. I'm going to read from two people who I respect deeply. I think they're very good at their job. I think they accurately portray everything they cover, okay? So this is not reading from what they wrote to mock them. It's reading from what they wrote to give you an idea of how screwed up this team is right now. John Krasinski, The Athletic, a foremost expert on all things Timberwolves, especially dysfunction. He wrote on The Athletic website today that the Wolves tipped off the season with a normal game and a normal loss to San Antonio. And what this team needs more than anything else after a month of chaos is normal. Moral victories are rightfully lamented in these parts, but if any other team ever needed one, it was the Wolves. Chris Hines, Star Tribune, Chip Scoggins, your paper, Mm -hmm. also very good. Chris Hine of the 112-108 Wolves loss at San Antonio last night to open the season. Quote, nobody knew what to expect from the Wolves with Jimmy Butler back in the fold for now. The result, and I'm going to say this slowly because it's just the greatest. The result wasn't a calamity, and that was good enough for now. And we are, This is, hold on a second though. Gentlemen, this is year two of the Jimmy Butler not mm-hmm. not experiment, bringing him in. Yeah. This is year two. You went to the playoffs last This is supposed to be... I get you're not going to compete with the Rockets or the Warriors, but this is supposed to be year two of something good. And the guys that cover this team are basically telling us 
that because the Wolves didn't start an inter- internal bench clearing brawl in that game, <laughs> that this is a step in the right direction. Yeah, I think I think the fact that no punches were thrown on the on the bench or in the locker room, uh, Jimmy didn't have a meltdown on a teammate or a coach. That's a win. <laughs> that's a, take that one to the bank. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. No one really knew uh, Judd, and I understand where they're coming from because yeah, he practiced what two times. Four practices. Three, four? I looked it up. Four practices. So, and with everything going on and how bad they looked in the preseason, I can understand the feeling of, really, this this could be disastrous. I mean, like, it could be the worst <laughs> thing you've ever seen. And it wasn't. Like, it was competitive. They were in a game. Now, let's be honest. That's a pretty average San Antonio team relative to their, to their standards, right? I mean, that's not the the... Spurs of old, obviously, and so uh, that was a winnable game. It's tied there after Butler hit the three, but um, I think just the fact that there wasn't this complete uh, meltdown, uh, you know, all the drama we saw beforehand that it didn't carry over into the game, I I think they're probably looking at that as uh, (laughs) we got out of this thing alive, you know? I don't know. Can we can we because everybody, okay, everybody looks at last year. Jimmy played fifty nine games last year, and the Wolves went thirty seven and twenty two in games in which he played, ten and thirteen in games in which he did not play. But can we can we stop with the? I mean, yeah. Do they need him to 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 be better and to make have any chance of making the playoffs this year? Absolutely. But can we stop with the? This franchise is going to crumble into the ground if they don't have him. I mean, look, the Spurs, this is the difference between the Spurs and the Timberwolves. I mean, aside from the five championships and all that stuff. The Spurs did not have Kawhi Leonard for 73 games last year. And they still won as many games as the Timberwolves and actually technically finished ahead of them in the standings, despite not having one of the three best players in the NBA for 73 games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this team, the, 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 the fact that the Spurs now who have moved on from Kawhi Leonard, they don't, he's not even there. DeRozan's a good player and all of that stuff. They don't have their starting point guard who they lost with an ACL, DeJounte Murray, mm-hmm. for the entire season. They don't have him at all. Bryn Forbes, who... I had heard of, but hadn't really seen a whole lot play, was basically the starting point guard last night, and they didn't miss a beat. They didn't miss a beat last night. They looked like the same but that's the my, same Spurs. That, but that's my point. In in reading from Chris Hines' story in this morning's Star Tribune, the result wasn't a calamity. His expectation was correct. Yeah. That, well, that you have, that you, by reintroducing Jimmy, you, you not only don't expect improvement here, but you are happy, I'm only half joking, when I say that they didn't start a bench-clearing brawl among themselves. Yeah. Think about that. Think about that, the the amount of of dysfunction and where this team currently resides to have to say that. And it, the thing to me that that is just so, I guess, weird is you know that this group, as it is right now, has an expiration date. Might be a day, might be a week, might be a month, might go into February to the trade deadline. But you know, at some point, you're taking the best player off this team, and 
and you don't know what you're getting back, but it, the dynamics is going to change significantly when he's gone. And so they're playing knowing this thing has a short shelf life. I mean, it's, it's you're just playing on borrowed time now. And so that, to me, is what's weird. And I'm fascinated to see how this plays out because I know he was in foul trouble last night, but Towns had as many shots as he had fouls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the season opener... Tyus Jones took more shots than him. Luol Dang took more shots than him. He took six shots. Run the offense through him. Well, speaking speaking of what what you just said, and and what you said is implying probably correctly so right now that Butler is your best player. But as long as Butler has an expiration date stamped to his butt and, and until he is dealt or decides that he's hurt or something... What is Towns's role? Because and and was Towns was Towns default last night for not taking more control, or are they really not what you just said, running the offense through him? Which to me is another huge red flag. Mm-hmm. Like if yeah. you're going to be like, well, but Jimmy's still here, but Chip's right, Jimmy's not going to be here. Every opportunity that you get right now, everything should go through Towns, should it not? Am I, I would, wrong? I would think so. It, you know, yeah. and it, and and. You know, I like the way Teague played last night. He was aggressive getting Teague there. Teague was very he, good last night. And his yeah. shots, you know, Wiggins is going to take his shots. I think Jimmy wound up with 23, which is way too many, considering where his level of conditioning was at. Man, he had the mm-hmm. one late uh, where he's going to, he's driving, he's going to do a floater and short arms it. Yeah. If you could just well, tell, he, he that's a that guy a who had not played. That's a guy who had not, is not in basketball shape. He doesn't have his legs yet. And so um, that may take a couple weeks. And so I think internally, though, in talking to people, Judd, that. Their idea is just start playing games. Let Jimmy reestablish kind of who he is. We didn't see it last night, obviously, because his condition is <laughs> not. But reestablish who he is and just have some normalcy is what, is what Cross said. And then maybe te- teams will say, okay, this is not crazy town anymore. Let's, you know, he's still a high-level player. And, and just kind of remove, get away from the drama of what we saw the last couple weeks and then put the focus on basketball and how can – putting Butler on your team help you versus, oh my God, he may go crazy and practice and cuss out the GM. I will tell you, we definitely did see some normalcy last night because the way they played and the offense and the defensive breakdowns at times and Wiggins once in a while taking bad shots and Butler and Teague dribbling the air out of the ball and Towns not really being featured in the off. That was all normal Mm -hmm. because that's what we saw for 82 games last year for the most part. I mean, I, yeah, and I, I do wonder how much just the foul trouble kind of disrupted his entire game. Oh, for sure. Night. So it, some of it, could, a lot of it could be that, but and some of that's on him. Yeah, and you know whether they're legit or what, but um, I do think, and it, we saw it last year. Enough, uh, a lot of times they just don't go through him enough. Well, to initiate the offense, and, and when and that's troubling. If if you think that Butler is content here and is going to try and be your best player and stay here. But it becomes doubly yeah. troubling if the expiration date's on him and you're still saying, and that's the thing about this is nobody can tell me anything that Tibbs is doing either as the chief basketball executive of this team or head coach that is going to help this team for the future. And, yeah. and as Phil and I discussed yesterday, they don't have, they're not competing with the Golden States Mm-mm. or the Houstons. So what the hell is the plan? Well, Tibbs just tries to win some arbitrary games. Well, and you have to wait and see what they get back from Butler, and then kind of see what your next move is. I mean, I don't, I don't think they know the plan yet. Until I mean, obviously, it's going to be built around Towns, and 
hope against hope that that Wiggins, you know, the light comes on, which I, I don't know that it ever is. But you have to see what you're going to get back from Butler, and then kind of build from there. I just don't think I don't think that Tibbs has the ability to see anything than what is right in front of his nose at that second. I don't think the man has any plan for uh, for basically life other than his next dinner and basketball. And that bas- and that next basketball game, not actually the future of his franchise. Can I read you guys uh, read off a stat line for a player last night in a basketball game? Mm-hmm. He's a really good player. Uh, and his team won last night on the road in Tex- in the state of Texas. Uh, this player, he played 39 minutes. He had uh, 32 points, 16 rebounds, and 8 assists. He was uh, 13 of 21 from the field. This player's name is Anthony Davis. And the Pelicans won on the road against the Houston Rockets last night. Now, forget about winning the game. I mean, good good for the Pelicans. They won the game. But I, I, I just I, I look at the Pelicans and how they use Anthony Davis and how Alvin Gentry runs that offense through him. He gets touches, he gets shots. He's he had eight assists last night, so he's making plays for other people too. It it it, it is mind boggling to me how Tom Thibodeau can't find that same sort of approach for Carl Anthony Towns. Doesn't care. I'm convinced he doesn't care. It's mind-boggling. No, I know, but I think I it's because he doesn't care. I don't, I don't think he doesn't care. I just think it's, oh, I got to get Jimmy his shots, and Wiggins right. going to take his shots, and Teague is going to drive, you know. Right, He do, but he doesn't. But Tibbs, in his style of coaching, doesn't look at a player like Towns, who could be a superstar, and say, feature him. Yeah. Towns doesn't do anything that Tibbs truly in life embraces. He wants guys who are willing to start a fight. He wants guys like Jimmy who will work their ass off the entire game. And and because of that, Jimmy's his guy. But I don't think that Tom Thibodeau, Manny, has the ability to look at Carl Anthony Towns and see what you're describing. Yeah. I mean, listen. Because you're right. The, the Pelicans, watch the Pelicans play. The, Anthony Davis is getting the ball in all sorts of areas of the floor. He's not just going on the low block and posting up and mm-hmm. then dribbling his with his back to the basket and taking turnaround jumpers. Yeah, like they, he's all over the place. He's behind the three-point line. He's on the high post. He's moving around the floor. And I don't understand why why is that so difficult to try and get Carl Anthony Towns in those same sorts of situations? But you're asking common sense. Quit asking know, me common sense questions. I know, I know. Every time we do the show you come to me with common sense. <laughs> Your chief basketball officer doesn't it's, deal in it. The good every, news is Scott Layden's going to trade Jimmy Butler, and I'm sure he's working diligently to do it but right it's now. Just, it's every time you Did watch this team, you watch this team offensively. Every time, any touch that Carl Anthony Towns gets, it's they're trying to throw it into him on the low Man, block. You'd be a better coach it. for this team. You'd be a better coach. That's all they try to do with him. Move <laughs> him around. He's a terrific. Right. He shot 42 percent from three point range. Why isn't he shooting more threes? Go with the Zolgandian plan. Embrace Gosh. the cha- embrace the chaos. And hate, because once you do that, you feel oh. you're liberated, Manny Hill. See, you're. you're I feel pro- pretty good right now, actually, that I just got that off. But of you my keep chest. bringing up common sense points. It drives me crazy, Coach Manny. It drives me nuts. Uh, is Jimmy leaving? Can Tibbs let him go? These are the days of our wolves. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Let's come back and talk more wolves, including the fact that Scott Layden is on the phone right now, trying to trade his boss's favorite player. Because I'm sure that's going to work out well. 
Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, then. On 1500 ESPN. All right, back here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Let's check on uh, check on your traffic here. It's brought to you by the Better Business Bureau. 35E northbound, uh, we have a crash in St. Paul. That's between Pennsylvania Avenue and Maryland Avenue. Uh, factor in about an extra five minutes to your commute if you're northbound on 35E in St. Paul. Join Better Business Bureau at the Torch Awards for Ethics. BBB's Torch Award embodies Better Business Bureau's mission of advancing trust in the marketplace. 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium October 24th. Purchase tickets at bbb.org slash Minnesota. Thank you, sir. Zolgad, Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune, sports columnist. Check out his work, Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. Manny Hill producing things. Uh, discussing the Timberwolves right now, let's take a phone call. 651-646-8255 if you'd like to join the conversation. Let's bring in Mike. Hi, Mike. How are you? Doing well. I think you guys are spot on with what you guys are talking about with the Timberwolves right now. There is all one-on-one. You see Jeff Teague, out of all people, taking ball dominance and going way overboard where we're not working in wigs, we're not working in towns nearly enough. You guys talked about Anthony Davis getting touches all the time. Everything is one versus one. Jimmy Butler's ball dominant. And I just wanted to comment. Love it. I'm going to hang up and listen. Appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. Mike. Yeah, I mean... That's definitely correct. And and this goes back, by the way, too, uh, to what Teague brought up a few weeks back, which was there was a lot of players throughout this league that get together and practice. Yeah. The Bucks. I think he, he was talking about the Bucks. And he's like, well, the Bucks did a lot of work together. We did nothing together. Yeah. And I don't know. You know, it, that that was alarming when you uh, when he said that just because I thought, and I, I, I don't know how, Typical, unusual, whatever that is. I think guys do get together and, and at least train, even you know, um, other teams. But the, to me, it was you made the playoffs for the first time in forever. You had this big leap. There's some momentum. You're talking about okay, first round didn't didn't go as well as you wanted, but n- that was a step. Now take another step. And if you had all this drama and you had real leadership, you would have got together sometime this off season mm-hmm. and said, listen. We may not like each other. I may not like the way you play, but if we're gonna if we're gonna do this thing the right way, let's find common ground here. And you saw, you know, I wrote a column about this a couple weeks ago. You saw Kirk Cousins. First thing he did almost when he got here, mm-hmm. he invited Thielen and Diggs down to Atlanta, mm-hmm. and they got to know each other, ran some rounds, but more just kind of get to know them. Now this is a different situation, but that's where I think the void in leadership is. Where Tibbs didn't recognize how bad things were. Which I still don't under. I'll never understand in my dying. He, he underplayed it all. I, I we talked about this. Uh, I think last time where we had that Star Tribune booth during the during the state fair, and he was there, and he's like, all, all these anonymous reports. You know, I've never heard anything come uh, from Butler's mouth. It's just anonymous sources and all this. You can't believe it. Meanwhile, <laughs> obviously, there was a lot of validity to it, and so he he just took it too lightly, and it, it got to a point where it's a crisis at the eleventh yeah. hour, and so. Just the lack of leadership, I think, is is what's uh, alarming because they had a chance to really gain some momentum off what they did last year, and instead it went completely the other way. And it came down to two people, right? Mm-hmm. It, it came down to Cat and Butler. So if you're if your tips, listen, if Jimmy Butler came into me and said four days after we lost to Houston and said, 
I can't take Wiggins. I can't play with him. I think he's going nowhere. You guys made a massive mistake. I think you should fix that. I'd say to myself, okay, all right, you know what? I'll give that some thought. We will try and do the best that we possibly can because you might be right here. But if he came in and said, and then there's Carl Anthony Towns, I would have said, hold on a second here. Mm-hmm. What what do we, what can I do? What can you do? What can we all do to repair this? Because you, you're not right on this one. And this is not saying that Cat is Jimmy Butler. He's not. And this is not saying he's mature yet. This is not saying that he's mentally tough enough yet. This is saying a lot of things that you do go down a path where we see some things about him that are disturbing, but there's nothing I see from him and say, well, that can't be fixed, and therefore he shouldn't be here. Wiggins, I would have sided with Butler. I would have said, that's fine. Let's talk mm-hmm. about that one. Yeah, and, and Towns is a cornerstone. You know that. I mean, you look at his skill set. You look at all the great things he does. I mean, he's a guy that you're going to build the you know the future on. Wiggins, I probably would have tried to move him last year if he could find somebody I agree with a that. taker for his contract because I just I just don't know that it's ever going to reach the level that you th- you thought. I don't think it's ever going to reach the level where he justifies that contract. And so, but this is where you have. I, I just think it's pro sports. You need to have a separation of power. The mm-hmm. coach cannot be the in charge of personnel. It just does not work because there's at, at times, not always. But at times in situations like this, there's competing interests. And that's where a coach needs to be separated from the personnel decisions because sometimes you can't detach yourself emotionally from what needs to be done for the good of the organization. I think this is a classic example of it. And this is why you need a head coach who is going to also find a way to manage and 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 figure out a way for personalities to mesh well on the floor. I mean, they don't have to be buddies off the court and hang out and all that stuff. That'd be nice, but they don't have to. But you've got to find a way to get the chemistry on the floor working right. And you've got to be able to, you you, you can't just walk into a situation with your principles and your system and your way of doing things. And we got to work hard and, you know, trust the past and, you know, the play hard for 48 minutes and, and like it's more than just playing hard. You've got to put guys in position positions to have success. Like Carl Anthony Towns needs to get better, but he's not gonna get better by just playing hard. By by just playing harder. Yes. Does he need to play harder? I, I don't know. Yeah, probably. Does Andrew Wiggins need to play harder? Absolutely. But Towns has to be involved, too. But, but yeah, he has to be involved, yeah. and you've got to find ways to get him touches and get him. He's too offensively talented to just be phased out of what you're doing <laughs> offensively because Jimmy Butler and Jeff Teague there are you, dribbling the air out of the ball. There you go again with your common sense sports <laughs> takes. Coach Manny. But Coach, that's why. I, like, I, mean, they're I, not I, I like firing up Coach Manny. Make them hotter takes. <laughs> And listen, I can't, I couldn't draw up a, a basketball set to save my life. Okay. But honest to God, like, come on. But you know how to use it, the best player. Yeah, exactly. the player. I mean, come yes. on. Yes. Town shot 42% from three last year. How are you not running some pick and pop with him? It's a weapon. Well, Everybody's shooting threes in the league today. Why are they still in the bottom I, of the league and shooting threes? Ideally, if this had been orchestrated correctly, but but the personalities don't fit, and this goes up to the head coach, ideally what you would have had was Butler accept the fact that for the short term he's the best player, but Butler should look at Towns and say, 
holy bleep, this guy's good. Yeah. How can I make him as good as possible so that I can I can now into my thirties become his his Robin? Yeah. To him being Batman. And instead Jimmy just says, Oh, you don't do this and <laughs> and you don't do that. And and by the way, if I played for that team last night when Jimmy Butler looks just gassed, if I'm his teammate, I would have gotten all over him very loudly in that gym. I'd been like, Jimmy, what are you doing? Yeah. Missed too much time. You know what? Fight fire with fire. <laughs> Embarrass the SOB. Seriously. I would have ridden I would have ridden him that entire game. I hope I hope someone's sitting behind that bench on Friday that every time this out of shape guy misses a shot gets gets very loud and vocal and out screams the head coach. I think they'll be I hope they do. Yeah. I hope they do because you know <laughs> Don't what? Worry. You know what? This is one sport where clearly you need some training camp. Yeah. Yeah, and it was obvious last night. I mean, you just look at the way his shots were there short. He, you know, he short armed to one and just, you could tell, you could tell when a guy doesn't have his basketball legs yet yeah. and he didn't have them. And it'll be interesting to see the atmosphere Friday night there, Judley. Hey, as, uh, as Sid reported a couple of days ago in talking to Glenn Taylor, who now mm-hmm. says that Scott Layden is going to be in charge of trying to trade Butler because uh, Tibbs is too busy coaching the team. You think, oh, you think. Oh. Glenn really thinks that's going to happen here. I yeah, mean, it, Scott Layton still reports to, to Tom Thibodeau before he reports to Glenn Taylor, unless Glenn has cut Tibbs out. Yeah, I don't know if he's uh, cut him out completely, but that did jump out to me that I think a couple times he said, you know, Layton will be handling the negotiations. And maybe that is just sort of semantics because that's one text messages from Layton, from Layton to Tibbs if he's out of town or whatever saying, hey, here's what. You know, here's what I talked to today. Here's what yeah. was offered. So response, no. It's almost like Tibbs, it's almost like Tibbs didn't need to have both jobs. Imagine that. <laughs> That's right. Hey, you know what? I didn't bash that at, at the time. I should have. I didn't. So I can't go there. No. I can only go to what's going on now, which it should be fixed. Yeah, and I, you know, it, it, this is my hindsight. <laughs> you know, in the first when it first happened, I thought, you know, what? if that's what you have to do to get the, uh, Tom Thibodeau here, given the power, um, you roll the dice. Now looking back at it, and you see, I think was it you, man? You said that this this is the last NBA team that has one person in charge of both coaching and personnel. Yeah, Detroit yeah. stopped it. Yeah, and so yeah. I think there's a reason why teams are going. It's, it was the trend a couple of years ago where a coach got all the power, and now it's the trend going the other way where it's not. And I think it's probably best that that's two two jobs and not one. I mean, Philadelphia kind of with Brett Brown, Brown is kind of this the would president be a tough, of basketball operations, but they just brought on Elton Brand to be their general but manager. But this also so would be a this would be a tough job for Steve Kerr, who would probably be pretty good at it. Yeah. You've got but but Well, Steve Kerr has had both jobs. Right. I mean, with, not not at Phoenix. the same time, but he's he's done both jobs. But before. the but the main problem here is and where it's completely backfired is it's not only a lot to ask of one person, but when th- that one person is completely irrational most of their waking hours, mm-hmm. it's really hard. Yeah. Well, I just, I just think it's from the time uh commitment one obvious, but then just for situations like this where you just need a good cop bad cop type situation where you you know the coach is not also handling Trades and personnel, like with children, try to do yeah. both, and it backfired too. Absolutely, but you can't have the completely wrong guy. And in both Brad and Tom's case, they were the complete, they were the worst possible choice. No, it would be tough if if you were good. It's tough if you're not. Let's do this. Uh, let's uh, pivot conversations and let's come back. And I've got a question for you, Chip Scoggins. Yeah, why is it always Joe West? Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On fifteen hundred ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and John. Hello, boys. 
Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? It's <laughs> pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. TCL Broadcast Studios, Zolgad, Chip Scoggins, Manny Hill. Uh, Phil will join us at 4 o'clock as he ordinarily does. We are going to uh, talk some baseball here in a second. But first, let's go back to the phone lines. Let's wrap up our Wolves conversation with Matt. Matt, you've got the last word on this uh, Wolves Be Gone bunch. Thanks, guys. I like the show. Thanks. Uh, I just want to say um, I'm thankful for all the drama in the last month with Tiff and Butler because it made me forget how archaic this 1987 ISO offense is. It's unwatchable <laughs> basketball. Like, I can't, in contrast to the Spurs, which isn't a great Spurs team, but, you know, we made Rudy Gay, who's no spring chicken, look like a pretty good player because they're always getting open because they're making passes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our shot is a turn-on jumper with a six-foot-nine guy in your face. And it's, oh, well, you know, we need better shooting. we got Anthony Tolliver. Well, if you don't run an offense that facilitates a talent like Anthony Tolliver, he's, what's he doing for you? It's a fireball offense for a coach in itself. The team is not advancing whatsoever. Please talk me down. I'll wait for you to tell me how. Matt, we can't do that. I've given up on trying to talk anybody down. I do wonder how much of Cat's protest in signing the Max deal, which he eventually did, had to do solely with the Butler situation and how much probably had to do with the head coach himself and the style of play that he runs. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, last couple of weeks, I think Tibbs has been carting out the... Their starters were, what, fifth in the NBA in offense efficiency when the starters were in last year? Yeah, it was fifth mm-hmm. or sixth. I, I think, I I think he's used that a couple and times. And they were yeah. near the bottom. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's he clearly was trying to send a message that way. I'm sorry, Matt, but we can't help you here. Yeah. Yeah. Altuve, right field, back there. Bats at the track. He leaps, and it is out. It's... Off a fan. No, they're saying off a of bets. It is in play. They may be calling it interference. I'm trying to get a read on the right field umpire here. Mookie with the jump. He had it measured. It looked like he was going to catch it. And he gets stopped mm. from catching it from the hand of the fan. The fan closed his glove. Did they reach over that yellow line into the field to play? Or is Mookie over the field to play into the stands? That's the the question. And out is the call. Wow. Wow. All right, if you didn't see it last night, Jose Altuve hit what appeared to be, at first, a two-run home run that Joe West, who I don't even necessarily blame a ton here, said was fan interference which means that Jose Altuve was out. They went and looked at the review, which you heard that lengthy period of time. They determined that Joe West, they couldn't overturn Joe West's call. Final score of the game was 8-6 to six Red Sox, who now have a 3-1 lead in this series. Joe West himself is a gong show, a walking <laughs> gong show, but I don't blame him here. What I find the most incredible thing about this to me is this fact. They could not uphold his call as far as saying we agree from the replay center all they said was we can't overturn it and part of the reason why was the definitive angle that they should have had to look and see where bet's glove was and where the ball was the definitive camera angle the one that should be the holy grail of this is why it's so great we've got technology 
was blocked by a long-haired security guard. Why couldn't they have him? I assume they're checking that right throughout the game. Why wouldn't they have that guy move? I have no idea. It's the I, I have no clue. Because it, just looking at the replays, and you do need the one that's right down the, the, the fence because I thought it was over. I mean, his glove is clearly over the fence, and it looks like it's going to hit the you know the fans in the stomach if they don't try to catch it. I, they were not – it wasn't uh, egregious leaning over the fence, catch it that way, right? Jeffrey Mayer. Now, they it might was be. Not yeah, it was not Jeffrey, Jeffrey Mayer, no. Mayer, no. Now, were they, were they your hands on top of the fence? I, I thought the ball was going to be over because – his glove collided with basically their hands and they're trying to catch it in their stomach. So I thought it was over, but um, you're right. That's, that's the kind of the uh, most unusual part of this is that the one camera shot that they needed, they couldn't because uh, it was blocked by a security guard. The rule reads thusly, no interference shall be allowed when a fielder reaches over a fence, railing rope, or into a, a stand to catch a ball. He does that at his own risk. However, should a spectator reach out on the playing field side of such fence, railing, or rope and plainly prevent the fielder from catching the ball, then the batter shall be called out for spectator's interference. I just don't understand. And I I think I'm right here. Does baseball replay seem to screw things up as much or more than it fixes things? Yeah. More than any other sport? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I, I mean, that one... You know, I don't know if there's ironclad evidence, but to me, that looked more like Mookie Betts is in the his gloves over the fence than his glove than, was than for the sure. opposite. His glove, and that that's the interpretation that I would like to see completely. Was it looked to me like the location of the ball was questionable? Yeah, but but the fielder's glove is definitely crossed over to where where it is into or it's over that fence, and that's where you start, you know, looking at just common sense so his gloves over the fence and his glove collides with their hands so obviously they didn't reach over the fence the other way in the field of play to try to grab it so i thought that's why they you know would would turn it um but when you when you see the replay it's not it's not crystal clear if if they're right on top of the fence or you know over it in a home run and so um i guess i could understand but I, i just think it's more more likely that that should have been a home run than than uh, interference. Here's the amendment to the rule that I guess I would also, after seeing that, think would would be common sense to put in. Why is that an out? Why not a ground rule double? Like, why are you assuming that Mookie Betts in all Makes of that chaos is going to make that catch? So now now you're going. So you're either your two choices, Chipper, are home run or out. Why don't you say, all right, he was interfered with, but in doing so, it's a ground rule double because we can't assume he makes that catch. Yeah. Um, good point. I mean, yeah, it, it, you know, it's it's a shame for, for Houston that, you know, you're, you're, you don't get the two runs and you lose by two runs. And so that's going to be talked about, um, you know, forever. And, and going back to, to Joe West, the final say is New York, right? Not him. Yes, it's the replay center. And but, so, if anything is, but they're the ones that. But he, he called it out right away. Obviously, he did. But the the issue there too, and this is uh, this is really stupid on baseball's part. They send an umpire crew, and I, I know they do this during the course of the regular season, and I think they do it now. Mm-hmm. They send an umpire crew to review calls instead of hiring replay officials. Well, two things wrong with with that. One is if I'm an umpire. 
That doesn't mean I'm a replay review specialist. Like I'm not trained. Like, but but the bigger problem is this: baseball won't tell you what the crews are who yeah. are watching the reviews. So if I've been getting drunk with Joe West for 15 years, that's I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be saying, "Ah, Joe, I've had six pieces of pizza and 14 diet cokes," and I think you're right. Yeah, you would hope that that you know, even if they're best friends. If that's his brother, he's going to do the right call, even if he at the risk of he thinks it's going to embarrass him. That he, but that's not it. But do you trust that's him? A, I, you would. I would rather be independent. Yes. Where, um, whether it's an umpire or whoever, but just independent that there's no attachment to that umpire crew there because you know umpires are tend to going to sympathize with who's trying to make those bang bang calls. Of course. Um, but you know, in fairness to Joe West. That's a hard play to get right. Oh, off. I'm not blaming I mean, him yeah, here. I mean, no, he he's a buffoon, but I'm not blaming yeah. him here. But that's where you hope replay will fix it. And I, I think they, I think they got it wrong. Correct. And I think like you know, baseball replay stuff that like drives me crazy is really the, the one they brought in the last couple of years, like oversliding the bag on second on a oh, steal. I mean, come on, really? There's no sport. He came off this much, you know. It's like really? hockey offsides has has this, but there is no sport that consistently has as many un- unintended consequential calls, consequence calls, as baseball does on exactly that. Replay was never put in to nail the guy for the pop up slide. It wasn't. Yeah, and in fact, I would say we're not reviewing that. If be, a human yeah. being's right leg hits a base and pops off for a split second, and the shortstop holds the ball on that leg, that's not an out. That was never that was never the intention. It's nonsense. Of, yeah. yeah, and and the only other sport I can think of off the top of my head, hockey offsides, because yeah. we found out you know if the skate is slightly above the blue line and the blade of the other skate is here, it's offsides. <laughs> yeah, that's... There, there were offsides calls I never knew in my life were. Mm-hmm. And and I can I guarantee you there have been thousands upon thousands of goals scored in that sport that now would be nullified. Oh yeah, and that was never God. God's intention was never ever to get those type of calls uh, changed. The intention was let's get what we can or what we should. Right? Has, I, has baseball commented today on that one in terms of why I've not seen one? Nope. Because that's you know typically oh, think, come out the, the next day and explain. At least why that guy was standing in front of their, their camera yeah. shot. I guess my only thing with all of this too is, and I and I understand we're dealing with different eras, and it wasn't replay back then, and a different situation because it was in, a, in foul territory versus fair territory and a home run and everything. But like I've been over here replaying the Bartman play with Moises Alou over mm. and over, and I'm watching this and I'm thinking to myself, okay, if. The Altuve play last night was ruled fan interference and out. Why was the Bartman play not ruled fan interference? It's basically the same thing, except it's foul territory versus a home run. Um, umpires and, and Bartman. Is, I don't know. If you look at yeah. this, Bartman is closer to reaching his hand over into 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 play than the guy in Houston last night. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, and and I get it that they didn't have replay back then to review stuff but like chips, that. But but chips right too. There there comes a point when a ball is coming close enough to you that you're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Mayer reached in '96 over was the over, fence yeah. and right. caught the ball, which yeah. was which and that was, umpire clearly saw that Garcia, and, Richie Garcia, yeah, yeah. yeah, clearly saw it. Right, but in the two cases last night in Bartman. That's a situation where I think if it's me, I'm doing the same thing to protect myself. Well, if you're if you're in that situation, the ball's coming, it's going to hit you. You're going to put your hands up and try to catch it. You're not going to. Oh, right. you might catch it. Somebody back. No, I mean it's that's human reaction. And 
that ball would have hit him if you know and and maybe he catches it maybe he doesn't but i that's why i still think his glove was over the fence and it, and they collided with them that's why I, I i'm still a little bit surprised that they didn't rule it the other way all right, let's come back, uh, wrap up this hour. Mac, you will join us at uh, 4 o'clock. And don't forget, today we have uh, wild tickets to give away two of them for Saturday's game against Tampa Bay. We will give those away before the show comes to its conclusion. And also today, we're going to give away a four-pack uh, for the Gopher men's hockey game against Trinity Western. That's going to include a parking pass, a four-pack, and that game starts at 7 o'clock Saturday. So plenty more to come here. Mackie and Judd is the show. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout Whoa. on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 35E northbound, we have a crash uh, in St. Paul. That is between Pennsylvania Avenue and Maryland uh, factor in about an extra four minutes to your commute if you're headed that way. And 494 westbound, we have a crash in Richfield uh, between Portland and Nicolette Avenues. Uh, prepare for an extra three minutes or so in that area. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd. Phil will be uh, stepping in the studio at 4 o'clock until then. Zolg at Manny Hill Producing and uh, Chip Scoggins from the Star Tribune who joins us in Hour 1 on Thursday. Don't forget, two tickets we will have to give away before this show is done for Wild and Tampa Bay Lightning on Saturday and also a four-pack for Go for Hockey against Trinity Western with a parking pass on Saturday. Uh, I think I'll go to the, the uh, Wild game, Chip Scoggins, and be bored to death. But that's <laughs> just beside the point. Yeah. Um, go for football. Mm-hmm. They've sort of got lost in the shuffle. But you know what? The Wolves, I'm not buying moral victory one bit from last night. What I saw from Gopher football on Saturday, I'm sort of buying that. Yeah, and I, I know moral victories drive people crazy, and it's 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 hard to kind of stomach. How about this? It was a, it seemed like a, a decent step. Yeah, it, the way I look at it is, the, they showed progress, and that's you know, not a win, and it's it's frustrating because that game was there for the taking, and it wasn't like they were overwhelmed physically. It was the turnovers. Um, and the miss and the missed field goals that really doomed them more than oh my gosh Ohio State just steamrolled them and so but there 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 are positives um, to me probably the most um, impressive one was their offensive line played played much better it's amazing and not to pick on the kid who was trying to play the position previously but it's amazing yeah. what, what happens when you switch your right tackle yeah this big this big four hundred pounder yeah, yeah he can play yeah I mean. It, uh, you know the other kid Schuster. He was getting overwhelmed physically. Yeah, and but 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 not just him. The entire line, mm-hmm. the first two Big Ten games, it was alarming mm-hmm. how much they were getting pushed around physically. I mean, alarming. I thought they were going to get Annex that killed. Yeah, and <laughs> seriously, and then they make the switch at at halftime against Iowa. And but they played a lot better across the board. And I'll throw in the tight ends in there too. I mean, they really opened up some holes. I mean, rush for what a hundred and. Or uh, Mo had 157, whatever it was, and so um, that was a bright spot. Their red zone, uh, red zone defense. Now they gave up a bunch of points and a bunch of uh, uh, passing yards, but when uh, Ohio State got down in the you know red zone, they held them to field goals. That's a win for them when Ohio State's not yes. scoring touchdowns. And so they just, I like the way they competed. They, you know, it didn't seem too big for them. They're, you didn't see a lot of stage fright. Um, Annexed. 
You know, he had the two interceptions. He's got to work on those deep balls. It's just not the timing's not there. But yet. he's got zip on the yeah. the short to intermediate passes. Yeah, the intermediate. Yeah, he puts them on the money. But yeah. it, you know, the next step is that deep ball. And I actually, talked to PJ about this uh, on at his Tuesday presser because, like, his last. Uh, interception. He stared Tyler Johnson down the whole way, and I said, for a young quarterback, I know he's got a million things going through his mind, but is manipulating the defense, is that sort of the next step where he's looking right just to freeze that safety, because the safety came all the way across the field. He saw Anikstead lock in on Tyler, and he comes, you know, really hauling all the way across the field and picked it off. And PJ didn't think that was the issue. He thought he just floated too much, and that gave that guy time, who's really fast, to get there. Yep. He said, "Yeah, maybe if you would have looked that way, it would have, you know, he would have stopped, just paused him for a second, and then come back." But I understand a freshman; he's just trying to make sure he's going to the right. He's just place. processing. Things. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure it's happening a thousand miles an hour for him. So, but there's something there with him. I, I like, and so, you know, to me, that's why I'm really curious to see what they do Saturday because you're going against a team that hasn't won. <laughs> you don't want to take a big step back um, from what you showed last week. Offensive line, running game, defense in terms of stopping the run, red zone. You don't want to have a big step back and and, and not kind of build on the momentum that they had last week with the way they played. How, they, does, how does Nebraska get this bad? See, well, I was just going to say the Gophers <laughs> need to be careful. Oh no! They no, do. I don't. Well, they're not going to be overconfident. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. Like, well, I, I I take that back. Not so much the Gophers need to be careful. I think Gopher fans need to be careful. Yeah, I don't think anyone should be overconfident if you're if you're really I mean, tied to the Gophers. Nebraska's bad, but you know the I thing. Mean, the thing with Nebraska is like what people don't realize is I mean the Gophers pounded them last year, so it's not like. You know, I saw this ridiculous thing that USA Today said if they want to get rid of Scott Frost, they're going to own this. Are you kidding? I know. I saw After that. After six games or whatever. That was Sunday morning. Goodness gracious. I wonder if, I wonder if Scott is having second thoughts no, I don't. About. I just think he's I think he's, he's looking at it and say, I need to turn over this roster. I think you're going to see them. Don't be surprised. I'm. A lot of guys are going to transfer, I'm guessing. Spielman's kid? Uh, well, I don't because he, I mean, he's. I might be try. I might try and bring him home. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem is. Do guys want to go somewhere and sit after you played a couple years? That's pretty, you know, that's a deterrent for for kids that you're in your major, you have a girlfriend, do you want to go sit? I mean, I, it's, it just sounds a lot that's easier. Why you than, need wealthy boosters like Sid to perhaps <laughs> that's right. grease the skids for a yeah. kid to come home. So yeah, but it, you know, I think once he starts getting his recruits in there, it, they'll be back. Uh, you know, I don't know if they're ever going to be back to what Nebraska was, but um, they're not going to be this, and so. Yeah, it's it's you know, it's another test to kind of see can this program these young guys build on what they showed last week and what you know they're obviously mistakes but it can they play it and and compete at the level that we saw at Ohio State because I you know take those mistakes away which obviously it, it changed the game and, and doomed them but sure. there was a lot of good that they did. What's your optimism about 2019? I like. I think. I think you'll continue to see a step forward. Now, I think in fans' eyes, you're going to need to see a big step. Um, and I think, I hope at the end of this, if it continues on this way, they stick with Anixted, because continuing to recycle quarterbacks is not the way to go. Stick with a guy, let him learn through these, and then see if you can benefit from having this experience. Agreed completely. Yeah. No, you need to pick one and stick. 
with, with that kid and, now. And get him a line. I mean, you, you got yeah. you got looks what looks to be a pretty good right tackle. And you have receivers now. And you These have receivers. receivers are legit. Just the receivers are way, legit, yeah. Find a way to protect this kid and keep him healthy. When, when's the last time that you saw a gopher offensive line have a game that looked as good as they did on Saturday? Because I was trying to think back on that. Yeah, it probably maybe back to Mace. Is it that far back? Yeah, and I, I'm not saying they're back, you know, what no, Mace's no, line no. is worth, but just in terms no, but that of... that line looked good. They look good, yeah. And what you saw from wow. the center, all the, you know, all, all across the board, they played well. Thank you, Chip. Yes, sir. Uh, check out Chip's work, uh, Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. Mackie steps in studio next. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Don't forget, also wild and go for hockey tickets to give away before we're done. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN.